how John was going to introduce me, I don't think I would have spoken on this topic. Today I'd like to talk to you about love. Um, I want to talk about I want to talk about a sincere love. I want to talk about the kind of love that we see in 1 Corinthians 13. Romans 12 verse 9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. And as I started to think through that, that part of that verse, let love be without hypocrisy, kind of made me start thinking inwardly how I love and how I show my love to first Christ and second to others. And as I began to think through it and as I began to evaluate my life and where I was, there was an area of my life that I was loving with hypocrisy. There was an area in my life that I stopped loving. And, it, and it was a, it's a consistent thing over and over and over again in that same circumstance. That's when I end loving. The circumstance is when I feel like evil is being done to me or I feel that someone is not loving me or I'm being done wrong. I have a real hard time loving someone who punched me in the face, um, insulted my beautiful Effie truck, um, you, just anything that I felt was evil. And it, it was a, it's a consistent thing in my life and I began to think through it and, you know, God, this is, a, this is a big sin issue. If you loved me the way I loved others, I would be in hell and I will be in hell when I die. But He doesn't. He gave us an example of a different type of love. And it's been encouraging to me to see that, that I can have hope that I can love through that time even though I struggle with it. In Romans 12, 17-21, Paul gives us six principles in which we can follow so that we can love our brother or love our neighbor, be it Christian or non-Christian, even when we are in the midst of evil. So I'd like to pray and then get into that. Dearly Father, Lord, thank You so much, first of all, for Your love. And even while um, I was an enemy to You and hated you, you, You died for me and I thank You for that. God, and that has given me the ability to love others. God, I just pray that I don't cloud this passage, Lord, and that I can communicate that clearly. Thank you so much for this passage, Gene, and we pray, amen. John, can you give me some water? I'm kind of drying up here. The first principle that Paul gives us to overcome evil and to love through that is the first one. He says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. The first thing he says is never pay back evil for evil. What we need to do is get rid of this do unto others as they have done unto me mentality. Throughout Scripture, Proverbs 20, 22, do not say I will repay evil for evil. Wait for the Lord. Matthew 5, 39, but I say to you, do not resist him who is evil, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn him the other also. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, see to it that no one repays another with evil for evil. First, um, 1 Peter 3, 9, not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. Throughout all of Scripture, 
It's a, con it's a constant theme. Don't return evil for evil. Don't return evil for evil. And here he's saying, to love your brother, to love your neighbor, you can't return evil for evil. We get this mentality is, if you slap me, I'm going to slap you. It's a man thing. It's a, you know, I'm a, I'm a man and you're going to take some of my man away. You're going to take some of my respect away. So therefore, I'm going to do the same thing to you. And returning evil for evil is not love. And that's what our goal is. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. What I would suggest to you is that a man who returns evil for evil is a man who is truly in love with himself because he's more concerned with what you've done to him than, than uh, to, the, to the other people, to the other person. And we need to get back to that goal of, of to love sincerely. 1 Corinthians 13, love is, love is patient. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love bears all things. So we need to remember that paying back evil for evil is totally, that's totally opposite of love. And I know for myself, I can give myself thousands of excuses why I can return evil for evil. You just, you just don't know what the, the guy's like. You don't know what Tim's like, you know, living in his room and, and just this personality. The guy's a jerk. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have to be sarcastic to my parents. They're overbearing. They tell me what to do. They're, they're punks. I love you, Mom. But we make excuses. He really hurt me. I mean, let's, let's face it. He says, never pay back evil for evil. There has been an evil done to you. It, it, it hurts. It, it pierces you. So, but he says, don't repay evil for evil. He says to anyone, no matter who he is, what he's done, what he said. We need to get rid of that mentality, that get even, that you did to me, so therefore I'm going to do to you. And the best way I can think of doing this is just like what Wendy said, is look to Christ. If you flip over to um, 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps, who committed no sin, was not any deceit found in His mouth. And while being reviled, He did not revile in turn. Thanks, John. While suffering, He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. And while being reviled, He did not revile in return. While suffering, He uttered no threats. And when you think of this picture, you think of Jesus, this our God, being whipped, being spit on, being punched, being called names. And He didn't return evil for evil. And He, above anyone else, has the right to because He's completely innocent. And me, who I, I feel I'm innocent, but if I really take a look at my life, most of the time I'm not, I feel, oh well, you know, you did this to me and, and therefore you're going to get it. And as I began to think through this, this passage, it really began to convict me that I'm a really vindictive person. You can insult me in front of a group and I might not come up to you and, and just insult you in your face, but behind the scenes, I might insult you with other people, I might, I might gossip about you, and, and I began to be convicted with, this is Rob Zelo. 
Rob Zietlow returns evil for evil. But I need to love the person who's doing evil to me. The second principle is that I need to be of good reputation to those around me. It says never pay evil or never pay back evil to evil or for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Now, I'm not a Greg Fry uh, Greek scholar of any sort. I barely got a B in it. Um, but as I was studying, the word for respect in the Greek is pronoeo. I pronounced that probably perfect. Which means to take thought of beforehand to provide. It's the same word that's used in 1 Timothy 5.8 um, talking about providing for, for your own family. So what it's saying here is we need to provide in our lives what is right in the sight of all men. We need to respect what is right in the sight of all men. So now, as I'm understanding this, I need to ask the question, how am I living? What is my reputation before men? The evil that's being done to me, is it being caused because of something I'm doing? Take a look at someone who has insulted you. Look at your own life. It was just like what Andy said in, in Matthew 7 when it says, you know, you know, don't judge unless you be judged. And it talks about looking at yourself first. Before, before you decide that, that you are you're innocent, I mean, before that this person needs to be, you know, judged, look at yourself and say, why is this person treating me evilly? Is it because of something I'm doing? Is it because I've got a sarcastic tongue and every time he says something to me, I'm real bitter and real brutal to him. And so therefore, he feels justified in being evil to me. He is sinning. But let's look. Am I provoking him to anger? Um, in Ephesians, I think it is, it says, you know, children don't provoke your, or parents don't provoke your children to anger. Um, the, the provoking to anger, the anger on his part sin, but also you're provoking. Look at your own life. Am I responsible for this evil? Am I sinning? Am I provoking this evil? Am I living a lifestyle that avoids evil? I would again suggest to you that so often people treat you unbiblically because of something unbiblical that you've done. They feel that, that they need to get their revenge on you because of something you did. So what you need to do is you need to say, okay, I need to take a look at my life and I need to see what am I doing that might provoke someone to be evil to me. And then you need to get rid of that. You need to confess it. Proverbs 3, 3-4 Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Matthew 5.16 Let your light shine before men. We need to be what uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.7 when he's talking about a, an elder. We need to have a good re reputation from those around us. Just look at Romans 12.9-16. It's talking about loving sincerely. That's what we need to do. People need to see that. They need to see that love that's sincere. It's so easy when you see a proud person to want to cut them down because pride, when you see it in somebody else, is such a, such a disgusting thing. And it says in 16, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. So the first thing is, get rid of the mentality of do unto others as they have done to you. 
The second thing is take some precautionary action. Check your own life. The third thing is be a peacemaker. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Romans 14, 19, So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Finally, brethren, restore, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace. And Psalm 34:14, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. When all is said and done, when the evil's been done to you and you've responded, when all is said and done, you should look, is this my fault? Have I caused this? It goes back to, to taking precautionary actions. You should do some self-evaluation. Have I done everything that I can to bring peace in this situation? Am I the one to blame? Did I, did I not let them trample on my rights because my rights were so important? The passage isn't saying um, peace at any cost. It's not saying compromise the truth through Scripture. That's why it says, you know, um, if possible, as far as it depends on you. It doesn't ask you to, to uh, sin and, and bring peace, but it asks you to, as far as it depends on you, you need to do whatever you can to bring peace to that situation. And the sin in my life says, if possible. Now, I take this passage and I say, if possible. So, therefore, it's a condition. So, therefore, if I am handling the situation with so-and-so, then I'm justified in not treating him with love, but treating him with evil. Because it says, if possible, and it's not possible to love this guy. This guy's a jerk. And so often I do that to myself. And the, the if possible phrase is, is to be obeyed and it's not, it's not to be an, excuse, uh, an occasion for an excuse. You're not supposed to use that and say, well, it wasn't possible, therefore, I think you're an idiot. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Just like Andy said, look at yourself first. Don't, don't, first of all, Think in your mind, I'm not going to repay evil for evil. Now I need to look at my own life. The fourth principle, don't take your own revenge. James 1.20, For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. When we really get down to it, and we really think our vengeance or God's vengeance, as we'll see throughout the passage, our vengeance is inferior to God's vengeance. To, to try to outbeat God in vengeance, it's like when I was a little kid, my dad and I used to wrestle constantly. Every time he'd come home, I'd jump on him or something. And my dad is a bigger guy. He's about two... And I was about 50 pounds or 10 pounds. I don't know when you started beating me up, but we'd start wrestling and my dad really enjoyed this he would lay on me so I'm sitting like sorry I'm sitting like this I can't move I'm like dad I'm getting mad you're going to get it right now I'm going to get you right now this is it right here and in comparison in comparison to God's vengeance it's like when I say I'm going to return evil for evil that's what I'm saying it's like I'm going to I can do better than God 
In no way can you do that. You need to remember that, that who you are, Jeremiah 17.9 talks about your heart is desperately wicked. What are your motives? You don't even know if your motives are pure when you're, when you're returning evil or when you're trying to take revenge. Let's try to remember that vengeance is the Lord's and uh, let's not try to play God. We don't have the infinite knowledge of motives. We don't have the infinite knowledge of conditions, why things happened. Dr. Mack in one of our counseling classes was talking about you're walking across campus and you say hello to somebody and he doesn't say anything, he just walks right by you. And you, know, you can say, what a jerk, that guy's so proud, he likes himself. I'm going you know, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna dog him as much as I can. Maybe the guy had a headache. Maybe the guy was, you know, his mom died and he's struggling with some issues. We don't know what it is. We're not finite. We don't know that. Or we're not infinite. We are finite, sorry. So we need to remember that we are not God. So taking our own vengeance is completely, it's taking the role of God. And so that brings us to the fifth thing, fifth principle is that we need to leave room for the wrath of God. We can't take vengeance ourselves. We have to leave that for God. How do we do that? I think earlier in the passage, it says, you know, um, don't return evil for evil. Live a, a righteous life. Be a peacemaker. Don't take your own revenge. And then it says in this passage, leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him drink. I did not mean to do that. <laughs> Subliminal messages. This, I, how do we leave room for God is that when an evil is done to us, we need to respond with an act of kindness or an act of goodness. Throughout, throughout the Scriptures, God continually shows us how to treat our enemies. Exodus 23:45 talks about taking care of your enemy's possessions. 1 Samuel 24:16 through 19 talks about how David had the opportunity to kill Saul and yet he saved his life. 2 Kings 6:2 talks about providing for your enemies. Matthew 5:44, love and pray for them. And in this passage it says feed and give him a drink by doing acts of kindness. The way we leave room for God is not returning evil for evil, but doing good to the, those that do evil. For myself, and I, and I was convicted on this as well, when I do handle the paying back evil for evil, and I say, okay, I am not going to repay this with evil. What I do is I, I, I become passive. And he insults me, he does something wrong against me, and I just don't do anything. I just, well, you know, let you do it. But what this says is it needs to be an active thing. You need to pursue. You need to do a, a, a kindly thing to him. You need to return that evil with kindness. And that is what it means to leave room for God's wrath. And there are a couple reasons why we should leave room for God's wrath. We need to remember who God is. I think we forget this side of God. Um, I know I do, and I know that in most churches, we don't talk about this aspect of God. We talk about His love, His forgiveness, and those are all important things. 
But I think what we've forgotten to do is talk about that God is a God of vengeance. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, I want to be the first person to ask you to open to Nahum. Nahum chapter 1. And I just want you to, to ask yourself, when was the last time you heard this attribute of God? Nahum is after Micah, page 1263. Chapter 1, verse 2. A jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on His adversaries. And He reserves wrath for His enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In whirlwind and storm is His way, and clouds are the dust beneath His feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The blossoms of Lebanon wither. Mountains quake because of Him, and the hills dissolve. Indeed, the earth is upheaved by His presence the world and all the inhabitants in it. Who can stand before His indignation? Who can endure the burning of His anger? His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken up by Him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who take refuge in Him. But with an overflowing flood, He will make a complete end of its sight and will pursue His enemies into darkness. This is the same God that we as it says in Romans 12, are to leave room for. This is His wrath. How dare we try to take revenge? I don't know when the last time I made an earthquake shake or I made a a mountain shake. I don't know the last time I caused an earthquake. In no way do I have the power that God has. Psalms 94.1 calls God the God of vengeance. Let's not forget this aspect of Him. When an evil is being done to Him, and, and we see this we see this passage that says, Do good unto those who are doing evil to us. We need to remember that God is a God. He will repay those things that need to be repaid. Which is encouraging and it, and it helps me remember that I can give more. I can give more. Because this is, does not sound like a fun thing, this vengeance that we're hearing. And if through my kindness, I can in some way maybe postpone or maybe through my kindness a non-Christian can come to the Lord and prevent this. Praise the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.6 God, it calls Him him an avenger. I don't think we think on this side of God. If we thought on this side of God more often, I think my life personally would be would be less sinful, I think. If this was the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path, that I remembered that God is a just God, a holy God, and because of those two things, He's also a vengeful God. And the second thing, the reason why we need to make room, is because God's vengeance is superior. Hebrews 10.31 The Lord will judge His people. And it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Verse 20 But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. 
for in doing so you will heap burning coals upon his head. Now, I need to admit, I struggled with this passage. All of Wednesday night, I was in the library. What does burning coals on somebody's head mean? And I looked in every, uh, not every commentary, I'm sure I missed one or two, but I looked at so many commentaries and I'm like, what does this mean? I, I don't know. But what I've, as I've been praying, as I've been trying to think, okay, what goes in with the context? Verse 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We need to make room for the vengeance of God because His vengeance is superior. If an enemy is coming onto you and you pour coals of burning fire on his head, he has to yield. He ha- There's no way he can bear under that kind of a pressure. Revelation 16.7 and I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. What this passage is saying is that when evil is being done to me, the most efficient way to handle that is to do good. Because what I'm doing is I'm leaving room for the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is superior to my any other wrath, any other vengeance. And it will overcome the evil. So I need to make room for God. I need to not return evil for evil. I need to live a life that's righteous. I need to be a peacemaker. I need to not take my own revenge. I need to leave room for God. And then I need to be... I do not need... I don't want to be overcome. I want to be an overcomer. To be overcome by evil would mean to stop loving would mean to respond in the same way that you have been treated would be to love with hypocrisy. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to be overcome by evil. But what I want to do is overcome evil. And how do I do that? I do that with good. I do that with um, leaving room for the wrath of God. Responding to evil is not a passive thing. Like I said earlier, it's an active thing. It's not... Okay, you treated me wrongly, therefore I step aside and I don't say anything. It's you treated me wrongly. You stole my boots. Well, I'm going to run up to you and give you the socks with them. I'm going to try to be good to you. I'm going to try to let you see the love of Christ in me. As I've been studying this passage, it just really convicted me that there's a when evil is done to me, when I feel I'm not being loved, when I'm not getting the respect I deserve, When I'm loving myself, I am not loving the way God does. I am loving with hypocrisy. And I would would encourage you, um, ask the Lord to um, bring these things back to your mind as I don't think a day goes by when we're not treated the way we feel we ought to be treated. And look at Christ. Use Him as an example, as it said in 1 Peter. While being reviled, He reviled not. So, I would just encourage you with this passage and and ask you guys to look over it, pray over it. It's really convicted me. So, thank you very much.